Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for April 5th, 2020. Uh, the, 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 the last week, uh, uh, the, the last Sunday before we, uh, we jump into Holy Week. How's it feeling for you, Bruce? Good. And technically, it actually begins Holy Week. Oh, so this is the kickoff of Holy Week. Is that this how that works? This is the kickoff, yeah. Oh, see, now look at the, uh, the, the um, liturgy webpage that, uh, that you and I share uh, most, most often uh, does not include this in the Holy Week section. Uh, they are, oh, those jerks. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what are they now? Um, I mean, the Bible a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> so... Um, this is, uh, and all they do is provide us with a crucial free service. Let's be ungrateful. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. I think that's the, the, the correct course of action. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, so this is, uh, and this is, uh, I don't, I don't know, day one millionth of our, uh, uh of our quarantine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and tomorrow's one millionth plus one. <laughs> yeah. One million plus one. Uh, uh, we all hope that, uh, that, that this podcast finds you, uh, uh, safe and healthy at home. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, prayers and uh, for for you and your loved ones, as well as thanksgivings for um, uh, uh, for uh, anybody who's able to keep their sanity uh, during this. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, this is this is truly unprecedented, but it does give us the uh, the opportunity to uh, work out some of these technological kinks uh, that we have going on, uh, uh, and, uh, and and forces us to adapt. And uh, so. I don't know about you, Bruce, but this is, has been kind of fun to uh, play around with as far as uh, uh, figuring out how to do uh, uh, some of these things, technologically speaking, and, and coming up with creative ways to to reach our congregation. So it's kind of been fun for me, I suppose, in, in that regards, because it uh, taps the creative side of the brain and yeah. uh, has been has been kind of interesting. So Yeah, um, it's certainly been a, at times a good distraction. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for those of you who who have always uh, uh, been leery of how how uh, overly exuberant uh, our our Sunday uh, piece is <laughs> at, at at church, uh, maybe uh, keeping a distance for a couple of weeks is, hasn't been the worst thing in the world. Um, but uh, Say, it, it's heavenly for introverts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly right. But uh, we're going to continue to do uh this as long as uh as it's recommended uh and a uh, quick plug for the church as a whole um uh we do have a uh, youtube video page hfec videos uh that we have been uh putting together uh worship videos for each sunday service uh and uh sounds like uh um we'll have our we'll, we'll have a, a fair amount of work cut out for us for uh for for holy week uh, so, uh, yeah. getting, getting started on that and, uh, and, and we'll have a, a, a plethora of videos for, uh, for, for the different services coming up. Um, but, uh, I, I guess I, does the phrase still hold up? Uh, we're coming to you not live, uh, sure from Holy <laughs> <laughs> Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And, uh, we're glad that you joined us today. So let's, uh. Uh, Bruce, let me see if I can stump you with a with a, a word here. Um, our word of the week or word of the day is hesychism or hesychasm. I guess it might this might be pronounced hesychasm. H e s y c h a s m. Huh. 
I am drawing a complete and utter blank. Um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but uh, it's I actually from this... the Presbyterian site. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a curveball that I w- should have thought to throw on you. Um, but uh, no, this is a this is a. Uh, uh, a style of piety associated with the Eastern Church and ascribed to the monk, the monks of uh, Mount Athos in the 14th century. The word oh. means quiet, and the monks of uh, developed a method of prayer and contemplation which included a continuous repetition of the Jesus prayer while controlling the breath, resting the chin upon the chest, and focusing the eyes upon the navel. These practices were believed <laughs> to lead the participant to perceive the quote-unquote divine light with the senses. This light was identified with God and with the light that surrounded Jesus at the transfiguration. Transfiguration, But hesychism was controversial. Uh, Gregory Palamas was a principal defender of hesychism in the 14th century, and its supporters have been known as Palamites. Um but what I the the other reason why I picked this word is the very end. It led to the expression navel gazing. Yeah, I did not know that. That is fascinating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so there you go. Navel gazing is a religious term. Well, <laughs> it and comes from, from a religious term. A Christian religious term that's um you know from the thirteenth century, was it? Or fourteenth. Fourteenth. Uh, Fourteen, yeah. so 1300s. That's that's amazing. That's still in our vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Huh. So yeah, this is a that I found that interesting and and yeah, me too. And, and uh, while controversial, uh, probably controversial because of the um, the the implications and the beliefs behind the practice, um, um, would be seen uh, probably in 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 modern terms as just kind of a a method of of um uh meditation i suppose right. at that point yeah um yeah it's so similar to um centering prayer as we know it today definitely right right right, right. so um controversial maybe uh in, in the deep spiritual meaning of it but as far as the practice so fascinating yeah absolutely so i i thought that was a that was a fun uh, a fun one um since most of the days right now, uh, I feel like all I'm doing is navel gazing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, <laughs> now you have a fancy name for now, it. <laughs> I'm not bored. I'm practicing hesychism. Um, <laughs> well, let's yeah, move. you're not allowed to have your you're not allowed to have your tablet on your belly button watching Netflix while you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, there's no one around here to stop me. Um, <laughs> 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 um so uh let's move on then to uh to to our first reading of the uh, of the day uh yeah. zechariah chapter nine and i'll read these aloud just in case i have these wrong since we're working remotely it's a we're, we're kind of uh making sure we're all on the same page i have zechariah chapter nine verses nine through twelve is that correct that's 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 right yeah that's okay. right that's that's what it says on my end of Indiana. excellent uh, rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
he will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Um, so uh, the... Kicking off of the Holy Week uh, makes sense as to why uh, this one is is chosen. This is is this the uh, um, is this the original reference uh, that would have been uh, a part of um, um, the prophecy of of the Messiah that that people would have pointed to the the humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the fall of a donkey. Is this is this a, a, a direct reference to the prophecy that that we would later? <laughs> Somewhat. Okay. I wasn't sure if this was the original uh, for, or if he was referencing something else that had maybe been. Oh, I see. Yeah, this is the original in terms of the Hebrew scriptures of the image of a king coming on a donkey, mm -hmm. and it is uh, directly referenced, quoted in both. Matthew and the Gospel of John, but not in Luke or Mark. Okay. So that tells us that wasn't universally seen as a prophecy of Jesus's triumphant arrival in Jerusalem just uh, a few days before he was killed. right. Okay. Um, now tell me about uh, the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is the second to last book of the Old Testament, as far as the has a relative uh, order of the of the Old Testament, and not that it necessarily means that it was the second to last written. Um, what 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 is uh, what would you say about uh, Zechariah as a whole? Who 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 was he? He was not a single he. He was a they. Oh. It's another it's another one of these books that's a, a collection of various writings put together. It's um, eight different visions or prophetic oracles to use the technical okay. term uh, that that were assembled about 520 uh, before the birth of Christ so it is one of the later uh, books okay of the Hebrew scriptures and so it, it's one of the few where you can say yeah it's in the right spot within the Bible gotcha okay and and like what's the um, you know uh, if, if you're categorizing the different books of the bible some are you know you know historical some are basic or tradition uh some of them are prophets what, what is where does zechariah come to like what's the book uh the the main thrust of of this collection of eight oracles is this all uh uh prophecy is this uh are, are these what's the what are we talking about here well um Technically, they're prophecies, but really they're yelling at the returnees from Babylon uh, back to the Holy Land, back to Jerusalem, uh -huh. um, talking about how many of them, not today's, but how, but many of the prophecies and oracles talk about how you, know, you guys have only been here a few decades. You've only been back a few decades, and already you're beginning to screw up. Huh. <laughs> so all these so so in weeks past we've had all these uh references to um one day we'll come back together one day all the 
all the uh, Israelites who have been scattered to the winds through conquering or through uh, general wandering or 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 uh, joining of other forces. You'll enslavement. enslavement. You'll come back into the fold uh, and uh, we'll be one nation again. And this is uh, this is, uh, and you know, and we'll be faithful to God. It'll right, be right, right. Almost like a return to the Garden of Eden, but certainly a return to the most intimate times in the people's history of walking with God very right, faithfully. Right. And Zechariah saying, uh, guys, y'all, are me- y'all are messing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, was- <laughs> this is what we said we were going to be doing. And instead, we're all going off on our own. Right. This was supposed to be the, uh, you know, the, the gleaming light of the, uh, the, the gleaming city on the hill. We were supposed to be a beacon of the world. And right. you are, we're not doing that. Um, Okay. All right. All right. So, 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 some chastisement, uh, um, not for uh, a, a king in this instance. This is more the 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 a general, uh, uh, general warning to the public. Yes, and a um, a carrot rather than a stick in this case. Okay. In this in this part of Zechariah that if we do return to God, then this is part of what we get to look forward mm-hmm. to. And if we don't return to God, this is part of what we have to fear <laughs> because this, this is going to happen. Gotcha. 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 Not so much a blessings and a curse kind of a deal. Just a look, this'll, this'll, this'll happen with or without you. Which side do you want to be on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would the what is the imagery I, I'm trying to separate in my brain, which is pretty difficult since we have the the burden of of, of, of knowledge as a people, you know, two thousand years later, and we know the whole story, right? So what would the what's the imagery about humble and riding on a donkey? What would that have been at the time? Like separating ourselves from the, you know the 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 link to the the, the Messiah prophecy. Um, what like why why is this just one of those images that that uh, um, the writer identified as like this would be humbling. Uh, he'll he'll he won't do it in you know the the um, this won't be your king your king won't be flashy in in their results that he'll be humble but triumphant and victorious and this is the imagery that i can think of that will (laughs) (laughs) that will drive that that idea home or like you know what i mean like like what how would this have struck the audience at the time like is there a a deeper meaning behind uh riding on a donkey or you're 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 getting it. Um, <laughs> you're and... so close, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to make just to make it more explicit, that this is a people that has about twenty years before returned from the magnificent uh, kingdom of, ba- of Babylonia, mm-hmm. and was therefore used to seeing the king and even lesser officials riding magnificent steeds, you know, white and carefully brushed and covered with um, literally gold armor. Mm-hmm. That wasn't armor, it was all decorative. But, you know, a real magnificent sight when the government officials came around and being on a, a, a large horse 
they'd literally be you know twice the height of anyone walking down the street right. so you can't contrast that with this image of a very practical vehicle so to speak for the king mm-hmm. so the king can travel a long distance but is still basically on ground level as someone who is not going to lord it over the subjects that is not trying to equate himself to a god for instance as so many rulers of that time did uh-huh. and so it's it's a a huge contrast with what everyone had literally grown up seeing when they were a conquered people in foreign lands of the uh, magnificent demonstrations of power that the political leaders had. And just to be explicit here in the Hebrew, um, where, where it says riding on a donkey on a colt, the full of a donkey, that's poetic Hebrew to give you a sense of how tall the donkey is. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not a baby donkey. It's um, instead saying, you know, a donkey about the size of a baby horse of a colt. Right. That's what I'm talking about. And people go, oh, okay. So it's it's not even a big donkey. Right. 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 Um, so yeah. So it, it it's literally bringing this king who's going to be extremely successful, but bringing the king down to ground level. Right. He'll be he'll be no nonsense. He'll be focused on being triumphant and victorious. Um, yeah, and then you know the next verse it talks about him um, cutting off the war horse. So yeah, I was going to ask this tiny yeah. donkey. Yeah, from this tiny animal, he's going to actually be able to cut off the chariots and the war horse and the battle bow will be cut off. Uh, that you know he'll be able to vanquish all weapons of war. And that's about the time people hearing this would say, okay, now we're talking kind of metaphor, aren't we? Yeah, okay. And and hopefully we'd catch that too. Yeah, I was going to ask whether or not like the the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, I was going to ask if this was like a specific criticism of something going on. Like you're kind of, I was, I was, it kind of gave me the imagery of like maybe at this point in time, these are specific call-outs of like, you're a little too warlike, this group of people, or, you know, the, the, I, I'm currently not happy with the war that Jerusalem is involved in, or, you know, something along those Yeah, as far as I know, not, but I, I could be wrong on that. I haven't looked at it specifically. Okay, okay. Well, uh, like I said, definitely uh, uh, kind of obvious as to why the reason it, it, it's chosen for this uh, this Sunday, since it deals yeah. with uh, a story that we'll, we'll come up with here on, on, on in a minute. Anything else that uh, we should share about this passage before we move on? Um, that the, the verse about his dominion shall be from sea to sea. It's not trying to set out a geographical territory, but really the image of the entire world. Gotcha. Deep and wide. It, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. From the from even though the, the the word river is capitalized, from the river to the ends of the earth, what's the which river are we talking about? I don't, let's see. Um, I'm literally looking in my little indexy thing here, and it does not say. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the river. Let's go. <laughs> okay. 
Well, and, but I mean, it, it, yeah. So I'm not sure why they chose to, why the translators chose to capitalize it. Again, there's no capitalization in Hebrew. Um, so I'm just going to take a, a educated guess that it's the River Jordan, oh. which is seen as a sacred right. river within that region. And, you know, so it's not just from, it, you know, it's playing with another image. It's not just sea to sea, so you can't get technical with me there. It's from a single point all the way around the world and back to And, and back again. Interesting. Yeah, okay. And back again. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah, okay. From the river to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Well then, uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, our, our second reading is from uh, the first book of Timothy, uh, and it's chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, right? Right. Fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life, to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So, <clears throat> uh, first, the, the book of Timothy, is this Timothy is the author or Timothy is the recipient? It's, in a sense, neither. <laughs> I like a neither answer that, that creates more questions. Okay, so. Right. So, it, it's, it's presented as a letter from Paul to Timothy, but we know Paul didn't write it, and we're 99% sure Timothy never received it. Huh. That um, it's one of, it's a collection, it's among the letters in the New Testament that uh, are commonly called the pastoral epistles. Okay. Uh, I think, because that's kind of rhymy, <laughs> it's <what> <laughs> called that. Um but it's literally for the um, since the 1700s. There's been huge agreement that there's no way Paul could have written these; that they're just so different um, and almost incompatible with um, what Paul writes. The theology around um, faith, law, and righteousness are treated differently. There's instead uh, emphasis on godliness which we get a sense of in this piece. And like some of the other, even Pauline letters, like I believe it was Ephesians, it seems to be a bit of a collection of different pieces. So the selection we have today, uh, chapter 6, 12 through 16, seems to be a liturgical phrase more than a part of an essay. So it ends with amen, yeah. for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so scholars uh, believe that this part, maybe verse 12, but certainly starting with verse 13 through 16, is the letter creator quoting a part of worship that people go, oh, yeah, yeah, we say that every Sunday. Okay. 
<clears throat> so this will be like a a a public uh, uh, I, sh I shouldn't say public. So this will be like a a group uh, thing that we that is part of a an actual service. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So then, uh, we see a familiar phrase here: "Fight the good fight." Um, right. We Americans love that one. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, so, so this is so this is kind of a a, a letter to uh, early churchgoers uh, and and providing. Um, words of encouragement for almost liturgical words of encouragement like yeah okay interesting yeah and there's and um where the part you just read uh the good confession in the presence of many witnesses there's some people who believe that that refers to one's baptism yeah but there's pro there's a stronger case to be made that it actually refers to ordination so it could be uh -huh. to the priesthood Okay. So this could could be a liturgical piece from a um, renewal of ordination vows type of ceremony that many churches, including the Episcopal Church, still practice, uh -huh. or a reminder to the clergy every Sunday that this is their charge to as uh, ordained leaders. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 very liturgical and it's almost technical language. Okay. What, what do you mean by technical language? Like uh... that it refers to certain tasks. And oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that it's it's almost the here's here are the bullet points of who you are and how you are to live. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I thought I had another question. A uh, question there, and it escapes my mind. Shows you. The coffee isn't working yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the disadvantage of home working. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, anything like like what what else about uh, about Timothy and and is there's two books of of Timothy. Do you, is there anything that you can say as to why there is it just uh, the, the period of time in which uh, they were probably written is why they're separated or um, does Second Timothy deal with the same kinds of things, like kind of a liturgical instruction? And well, and interestingly, Second Timothy is believed to have more authentic fragments from Paul's letters that yeah. otherwise have have not been preserved. So I remember that was one of those things that I really had to drill into my head all those years ago in seminary before the uh, biblical quiz is. First Timothy, not Paul. Second Timothy, lot of Paul. Interesting. And, you know, you'd expect it to be the opposite, but that's just how the um, editors who put together the New Testament grouped them. Um, so actually, yeah, Second Timothy is more of Paul through different pieces put together and collected than First Timothy, which is more of a, a wholly created work in honor of Paul and in honor of Timothy, but with quite different theology. Huh. This kind of thing's fascinating. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, any anything anything else about Second Timothy or for Second Timothy, First Timothy? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, 
the other thing is that um, one of the ways that you know this, or you can sense that this passage is a liturgical passage that works, is how many little terms and phrases we still use from it, yeah, that's even true. though it's from a short, um, you know, a short book from the back of the Bible. We say King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Right. Uh, uh, as you said earlier, fight the good fight. What, uh, what, what specifically is the good confession, by the way, just because that's, that is not, we don't say I, that that's not a term that I'm familiar with since you're talking about phrases. Well, that's that the are, one that, <laughs> that's the one people have burned each other at the stake with <laughs> 2000 years. Okay. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's the confession that the author of first Timothy believes in. Uh, and you can, you can read through uh, six chapters to see where he falls on that, but it's very much a, um, and why it applies for Palm Sunday, the coming of the, of God as King of Jesus as King. And gotcha. that's, that's a, that's a imagery and a theology that, uh, Paul really doesn't it does not embrace. Instead, he's more of the Isaiah line of suffering servant, and yeah. which Jesus Jesus quotes many times in the Gospels, especially in John. Uh, whereas Timothy's more of a Zachariah kind of guy, and pulls the uh, theology and tradition that surrounds um, the coming of God as the coming of the King. Yeah, cause to, to, to quibble with a little bit of the wording, uh, what struck me about uh, verse 13 is like, uh, uh, and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, if you, if you think about at least the, the gospel story of his time in front of Pontius Pilate, he doesn't really confess right. anything. <laughs> so yeah, like say, uh, and that's the closest he gets to making a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he, he he banters with Pilate or is silence. Yeah, silent, depending on which gospel you're focusing on. Yeah, rather than uh, before Pilate is not a time where Jesus um, explained the Holy Trinity or something. Yeah, interesting. But, you know, um, I, I, I don't know how when First Timothy, whenever First Timothy was put together, uh, uh, how, how it's well known the gospel readings were at that point in the time. So maybe the narrative is that's the reason we're, the, the reason there's a, a narrative that he makes a good confession to, uh, to uh, in Pontius Pilate. Then the gospel gets more widely spread and we're like, no, well, no, not really. He didn't. <laughs> Well, yeah, at, by this point, the Gospels would not have been narrowed down to the four we have. There were others that were in circulation Gotcha. Uh, that we've discovered through archaeology. Oh, there's, there's a whole other podcast right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Gospel of Thomas and such. Um, and, yeah, and you know, you, that, that's a, a fantastically interesting rabbit hole to go down as to how Jesus interacted with Pilate during Jesus's trial because um, each gospel takes it in a slightly different direction. And, right. you know, arguably you could probably put together a bit of a confession, a bit of an explanation of who Christ was um, through, by putting together the pieces. And maybe that way you'd have a sense of what was um, the author of Timothy's favorite gospel. And particularly if you went into the, what we now call the non-canonical gospels, those that we've 
mm. were able to find on ancient lost scrolls and things like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, there, there's, very, your very, very. there's your homework for the week to keep the kitties entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Research all the non-canonical. <laughs> right. Find them and read them, uh, and then and then write a paper on on, yes. uh, on on how they differ from the four that we've uh, we, we've settled on. Um, I shouldn't say use the word settled, but uh, decided upon. Yeah. Uh, so uh, speaking of decided upon gospels, let's move to <laughs> Matthew chapter twenty one, verses one through eleven. Um, when they had come near Jerusalem. And had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, a colt, with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. Um, so I am struck by, after after our discussion about Zechariah, uh, where we talk about how um, they, there's there's reference to riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey, that those three phrases are put together to kind of just give imagery of the size of of the, the the beast of burden that he, that 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 the uh, the, the the king yeah. uh, would, yeah. would would ride. Um, it kind of seems as though, and as hypocritical as I'm sure this is to say, um, uh, I'll forge ahead and say uh, it seems as though it's kind of like it almost as if like the the gospel written after the fact was like, well, there's only one man. And he only really does need the one donkey. But let's untie a colt as well so that the prophecy remains true that it's a donkey and a colt. Right. <laughs> um, it, but uh, but is, is, there, is there a possibility that there was – it would be something like that of like, uh, of like, well, the prophecy actually says like these three things. The third one's clearly like more of a descriptor – not a not a specific um, statement as to the king would ride on these three things. So let's go with the let's write in here the donkey and the colt, so that people don't argue that it's right. That it's not the prophecy. Well, he only rode a donkey. He didn't ride a colt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's Matthew um, not explaining how Hebrew poetry works that the in the, the form that we've talked about before of uh, poetic verses in Hebrew typically repeat an idea as part of their, the beauty of the image. And so that's mm -hmm. why Zechariah is written in that way. Uh, Matthew probably was not familiar with that since he 
made this um, editorial error, I would say. Uh, and uh, it's also possible that he was using a Greek um, Bible rather than a Hebrew Bible. So it would have been even mm, okay. harder to see um, that it was a repetition because in Hebrew, colt and donkey can are interchangeable words. So gotcha, right. Yeah. yeah. So in, in Hebrew it's clear. Okay, we're talking about one animal here. In Greek or English, it's less clear. And I think Matthew stepped into that hole accidentally. As, <laughs> uh, well, hey, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one way that people have then seen Matthew's gospel as repeatedly referring to the Hebrew scriptures. And it does so more explicitly than it, any of the other three gospels. So that's part of uh, his technique and part of what he feels he needs to teach is how Jesus is connected so deeply with the ongoing and ancient faith life of the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like it. I, I know that for some people uh, picking apart uh, the, uh, the, these, these, some of these verses to point out errors is, is uh, not the desired method of, <laughs> of digesting uh, gospels, but I, I would put forward in, 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 I, I mostly in my own defense, I should say, uh, those types of things are what, uh, for me, humanize these stories and humanize these, uh, these, these occurrences to, to make them more believable because, uh, uh, any, any time, like if four of, of, of our, uh, parishioners, four of us parishioners from Holy Family were to experience, um, um, some sort of an event, our accounts of said event would be editorialized, uh, individually and be, inconsistent uh it, it, on on small things and so the 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 idea that these are you know well matthew did this and tried to do that and 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 that's not what the other gospels say or you know it's slightly different and they the the, the accounts don't jive that kind of tells me like well then this story is yeah. probably true because that's the kind of thing that happens when people witness things uh and or we we remember them differently or we focus on on different aspects and the other uh, the other person who was there was like oh i didn't even catch that um you know uh so um saying that i wanted to ask the question um how does this version of jesus triumphal entry into jerusalem differ from the other gospels what are the what are the 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 differences uh between matthew mark luke and john uh i already did pull up um just to double check and see he is the only one who uh writes it, writes it in such a way that implies uh i shouldn't say implies flat out says two animals he's the only one that says a donkey and a colt uh it looks like john says donkey and Luke and Mark say Colt, but either way, they all three of them are are going are are, are correctly doing the imagery uh, understanding of of, right. of the Zechariah reading of just just a single animal. It's just imagery. Um, but anything else, uh, like like what are the 
the other differences. I noticed that Matthew does talk about cloaks and, and branches on the on on uh, the road. I'm not sure if all of them do. Uh, I don't think John talks about that. Um, I was thinking that. Um, let's see. I'm looking at it now. Sorry, that I, that's a very complicated question that I had already started prepare for, for as we as you were talking <laughs> last. So I apologize. <laughs> um, um, I'm just. I thought it was. Nope, it's not. Um, oh, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, in Luke John, says cloaks. He's the only one that says palms. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, yep. Uh, Look, there it is. Okay. Yeah. 12, verse thirteen. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Um, and the others just say branches, and one or two. And Matthew says cloaks. I don't know if the others say cloaks or not. Um, uh, Luke. Luke says. Let me see here. Let me find it again. Um, Luke says cloaks. And does not say branches or palms. Uh, Mark says uh, branches and doesn't mention uh, through their clothes. Um, uh, so branches and, and and their clothes. And then John is uh, um, yeah. palm trees and no reference to yeah. cloaks or anything. Uh, the reason John does that, we think, was that by... Again, John's probably the last gospel written down, and this solidifies the meaning that Jesus was a royal figure, because in the Roman Empire, as it had been true in the Middle East for across various cultures and civilizations, palms were a sign of royal power. And so John made more explicit oh. the meaning of this procession by having it royal palms that were being laid out and waved. Um, and the others, it was in a sense more homey with people literally taking the clothes off their backs to put in front of Jesus and branches, mm -hmm. probably olive branches, which would have been a sign of one coming in peace. Um, since gotcha. olive trees um, were the most prominent tree in Jerusalem at that time in that area. Um, maybe still are they're still there so yeah it's interesting to see these details between the palm sunday accounts and yet what's perhaps even more significant is all four have one and that's not true of a lot of the big stories yeah but all yeah yeah only only a few things are, yeah. are shared between all four so gospels that, a, a few occurrences and so that causes and, uh, one historian type scholars to say that it was pretty likely that this actually did happen, that it was a historic event, um, since it's unavoidable, but to have it in your gospel is the way that they sometimes put it. That's not, not a real gospel. You right. Know, readers say, oh, that's not a real gospel. You don't have Palm Sunday in there. So they wouldn't, would not have called it that. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, then it, it makes, it makes perfect sense story-wise too, that, you know, this triumphal entry, which is, I, I don't know how often we point this out, but very likely the triumphal entry is what ends up 
garnering right. the interest right. that the ends Romans up killing are really upset by this. So, yeah. So this is because this is it's because of this 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 style of entrance that gain that gains him enough attention that ends up uh, bringing the prophecy full circle and and leading to his crucifixion crucifixion right. death and resurrection. So um, I've always been very fascinated that the um, I, I can't say the downfall because obviously that's not the context in which these stories are, are are written. This is the the part that's supposed to, you know, these things are this occurrence is supposed to happen. But the the event that causes everything to really go into motion, this really is the linchpin for the prophecy right. being fulfilled. This is the this is the what actually sets it in motion. And you can kind of make an argument that last week's uh, uh, Lazarus raising was. Um, another one, uh, because this is that's the event that occurred closest, you know, real close right before he go comes into the city, and uh, would have led to all this interest, yeah. uh, probably. Um, but he he'd kind of been building up this 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 overall interest in the region in all those chapters prior. You know, some would have been witness to the you know to the wine into the water miracle some would have been witness to you know healing of the lame and the blind and the sick uh so it that's all kind of snowballing but it's really this event that that creates a cascade of events that lead to yeah uh, this the is prophecy the pivot being point fulfilled. where jesus goes from being a, right. a, perhaps in the first three gospels he jesus goes from being a popular uh, pop preacher, we might say, uh, to suddenly being a political rival. In John, by this point, actually right. most of Jesus's followers have fallen away, and he's down to the the core apostles and the women who follow him and some others. But the the crowds are already becoming kind of tired of Jesus's act. Uh, so it's. Again, that's one of those things that unless you really sit down and read the whole gospel fairly quickly, you don't catch that narrative thread within John. You just presume it's like the other three where the crowds are growing bigger and bigger and leading up to this fantastic Palm Sunday procession. In John, just before right. the Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry Palm Sunday story, it talks about now there's a new crowd gathering to see Lazarus, who is now walking with Jesus. And so it's a different yeah. type of energy, you might say, in John than it is in the first three. But again, in, in all four, it's the pivot point where Jesus enters Jerusalem and he's, he's never right. going to leave it alive. Right. right. So, so, so yeah. Lazarus comes with him in John? Oh well, then yeah, that that does create a totally different yeah. vibe, right? I mean, I'd, I, I don't get me wrong. I'd want to see the the guy who purportedly raised someone from the dead, but I'd yeah, also exactly. really want to see the dead guy. <laughs> um, so so here comes this this uh this prophet, this Jesus of from Nazareth and Galilee, uh, this uh. Messiah, uh, believe Messiah for some, and the guy who is dead like yeah, seven or eight days ago. 
uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That would that would that would create a stir. <laughs> so so then I guess that that it, uh, uh, just a dumb side question then for me. Since he he they in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he told his disciples, uh, two of his disciples, to find the, a, a donkey and a colt, untie them both, and bring them to me. Um, the let's see here. It doesn't say which one Jesus is specifically writing in this in this well, uh, occurrence, in but who's writing the other one? It's empty, and so there's all sorts of sermons I've been preaching about. We are invited to join Jesus by riding on riding behind him. Yeah, yeah. So it, I like that. Power. I like Particularly that. Particularly in an era, not so much today, but in earlier years, yeah. where that would have been have the primary mode of long distance travel. <laughs> you brought yeah. your you brought your uh, vehicle a and a spare. <laughs> I like that. That's 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 kind of funny. The 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 colt or the donkey is the backup tire, the spare tire, uh, and the <laughs> just in case he blows a yeah. blows out an, an an ankle or something. Um, <laughs> um, anything, anything else? I mean, we're we're starting to get into the territory of of especially gospel lectionary readings where. We are getting down to the very familiar uh, uh, of the church, uh, the, the 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 passages that we read every year, uh, even w whether they're, you know, regardless of which gospel they're in, uh, most of what we're going to read here during Holy Week is is uh, part of a, the larger narrative which occurs in all four gospels. So it's so it's a very familiar story to us. Um, but anything anything else about? Um, the triumphal the last thing entry. I want to say is uh, that, as always, I recommend reading it in your scriptures, in your Bibles, um, or online. And to note that uh -huh. in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first thing he does is to go to the temple and throw out the money changers. In John, he has already done that two or three years before. That that's the first thing jesus does to announce his public huh. ministry is clean out the temple so it's um quite interesting how that event is used in the three gospels um since it occurs in the first three we believe probably the historic order is that he did it right after the triumphal entry but in john he's trying to make the point that jesus is here to set uh -huh. everyone right with god even the um, authorities in the temple who some might think were beyond redemption. Nope. Even they get the benefit of three years of Jesus's preaching and miracles. Yeah. Gotcha. That is, that is kind of interesting. Uh, and, and, and again, yeah, a lot kind of lost on not reading things together. Um, triumphal entry, you would think would then, you know, in, in our minds, we go immediately to, okay, Pharisees start questioning, and you go down this rabbit hole of, uh, of, of into, uh, I shouldn't say rabbit hole, but you go down the process of, uh, of, of, of Holy Week, all the events of Holy Week, um, throwing out the money changers uh, doesn't really come to most right. people's minds. Right. It's like, step two, 
turn over the tables of the temple. Um, but uh, but for those of for those of us who who are uh, you know down with the uh, with the establishment and uh, and and with the uh, commerce and industry, uh, <laughs> then then that's right up our alley. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow or yeah on, on the on Monday, the day after Palm Sunday, when you think about how now Jesus has tossed out the money changers, people. Authority figures sort of hanging back saying, whoa, this guy's out of line. He's beyond control and is spending Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and perhaps Thursday morning teaching in the temple. And no one's challenging him that he's doing that. But we can talk about that more mm. on, the ne- on the next podcast. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds good. And, 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 a, and, a, good, and a good plug. Um, so... Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I guess with that, uh, we'll end uh, this your podcast for April fifth, twenty twenty. Look for our worship video to go up uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, for for those of you uh, who uh, enjoy a good Saturday service, there will be a nine o'clock watch on party on Sunday um, as well on Facebook. Exactly. And uh, but uh, if if uh, if you're you feel more inclined to do uh, something on your own, uh, that, that video is there for, for you to, 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 uh, worship as you see fit, uh, and, and when it fits your schedule, uh, uh, but also there's, there's, there's lots of, uh, other, uh, worship options that are provided throughout, uh, the diocese and the Episcopal church as a whole, uh, so that a lot of, a lot of very interesting and fascinating, uh, um, worship offerings, uh, occurring, uh, as a result of, yeah. uh, spending time at home, uh, it's kind of it, it's kind of fascinating to me to see uh, all the different options that, that 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 we have and the stylistic. Yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, to church more and, than I have in years. And, uh, I the, want to see see what all my friends and colleagues are doing around the country. So, get, getting into all their online services on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. There, there's there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot and of good stuff going on. Uh, uh, by uh, the diocese. Uh, um, anyway, go to the yeah. parish Facebook page or the parish website. Um, holyfamilyfishers.org and you can get links to all those resources and also our spirituality website i've set up the churchfromadistance.org very good very good all right nope, well those are my uh, Bruce, unless you have anything more uh I, I wish you health and happiness uh, uh thank you all for joining and uh Bye. we will talk to you next week bye-bye